We are walking through the book of, of Philippians, and uh, <clears throat> a bit of background. Philippians is a letter, and it was written by the Apostle Paul to the ancient Christians uh, in the church of, of Philippi. Um, Paul had helped get that church started and was there for a while and then went on to start other churches in other places in the Roman Empire throughout the world. Um, a big part of the background of Philippians that, that is necessary to know to fully appreciate the intimacy of the letter is to understand that when Paul went there, there would have been some Jews that, he, that, that made the move to Christianity, but uh, what's especially, I think, meaningful is to know that that many of them would have been just like pagan, like Roman pagan, worshipped in temples, all sorts of debauchery, messy, messy, messy. And then they step into the Jesus kind of flow of life and purity and generosity in it. And it, it brings a kind of order and redemption to life. And, 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 and generally, and some of you can relate with this, like if you came to understand God's way of life, uh, if somebody kind of stepped into your life and helped you connect with Jesus and order your life um, and, and you discover all the benefits of following Jesus and living in Christian community, you, there's, there's generally a sense of indebtedness and love and there's a connection there. And, and the, the Philippian Christians had this with the Apostle Paul. He was their pastor. They had memories together. There were just... You know what I'm saying. And so then he goes on. They, they, they support him, and we're going to read about that in a minute. They support him as he goes and does these other things. Now, you can imagine, so I've been at Polaris now the, almost 19 years in May. And um, uh, I, know, I know many of your stories. We've been, some of you, almost two decades, we've been in each other's lives. And... Um, if at some point I were to say, I feel like God is leading me to go to China to start churches, um, and, and you were to, let's just say, there was like a, you raised $100,000 and said, here, go, and, and I'm writing back in different letters and saying, hey, we started this, we did that, and then all of a sudden you find out that I was arrested, and now I'm in a Chinese prison. Um, I, I would assume, and I, and I write you a letter uh, from that prison, I, I would assume that, that there would be quite a bit of concern and anxiety and sadness and, and, and yeah, all, all those, I hope so anyway. Um, I hope it's not like, finally. Um, <laughs> I expect a full refund because you're in prison now. Um, but that's what Philippians is. It's a letter that he wrote to this group of people that supported him uh, from prison. So, so that's what we get a look into. Now, we've walked through a lot of different um, themes in Philippians. And, and what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of cause. Uh, they had some skin in the game. They supported Paul uh, financially and with people and with prayer and with emotion. They were invested. They were all in. And, uh, and, and there's a kind of intimacy between people and their cause. And there are a lot of great causes out there. There are a lot of abuses, abuses of causes out there. 
corruption in causes and it produces all sorts of deep-seated feelings. And then there's the question of how can I even know what to contribute toward? So we're going to walk through Philippians and some other scriptures and, um, and, and just talk through the idea of supporting causes and generosity and connection in ministry and just kind of see where it goes. And I mean that. Um, I said in the first um, service, I can't wait to hear what I have to say. Because I have like nine different points. In last service, I got through two and a half. Um, <clears throat> so we'll just see where this goes. All right. Let me start with uh, Philippians 4. 14, he's closing out his letter <clears throat> from prison. And just so you know, this change of season thing has me, like I'm drinking and coughing and drinking water and, and coughing nonstop. So you're going to have to deal with it. Um, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. So they were the only Christians to that point that had supported Paul in his ministries throughout the world. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So I was at a church in another city. And you supported me while I was there. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and, am, and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours. So that's a, there's a lot in that statement, and I want to I talk through um, some of those implications. So let me start off with the concept of sharing. Can you go back to, to 4.14? It was the first of the scripture slides. Okay. It was kind of you to share. See that word share there? Um. The, the, the idea behind that word that Paul uses, um, in, in old school it could be translated yoke fellow, which doesn't mean anything in English today, but the idea was um, a, a yoke is what, what oxens, like it would connect oxens together, or oxen I guess would be the, and, and they would work together, synergy, two animals work together, could do more than two separate animals, and the yoke is what bound them together, and so that's what Paul's saying is through the, his activity in the world and their support, they were yoked together. There was a kind of uh, an intimacy, a togetherness, a shared purpose, all that. <clears throat> when it comes to causes, uh, and, I, and I think everybody, everybody wants to be generous. Everybody wants to be generous. We just need to know who we can trust. Um, because there's a kind of intimacy there. When you get, there's a vulnerability uh, when, when you decide to sacrifice generously, there, there's a felt connection. It's like a shared brand. And, and when it's pure, 
it's incredible, like to know, man, I, I support this cause, and it's a great cause, and, and there's a connectivity there, and, and, and there's, something, there's something deep within that, that there's, there's a, yeah, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. And then when there's some kind of a violation there, when there's corruption or misuse, uh, there, there's, there's, there's a disappointment, there's a, there's a rage, there's an anger, there's, a, there's like a dirty, ugh. Um, it's awful. It's terrible. And it can, um, you, you know, maybe you are, maybe you know, like never again. I'm, I'm done with churches. I'm done with nonprofits. I'm done with generosity. I'm done with whatever. I mean, it's hard to know what cause can I support because when you get burned by that, it can be uh, devastating to faith. So one of the things that I, that I want to do today, and this, this honestly, um, <clears throat> I was preparing this morning at Panera, and uh, it just kind of hit me, I need to talk about this. Um, so I put zero prep work into this, but I really feel like it's something I need to talk about. I want to talk about um, churches especially, uh, I know that in, I'm just going to say Brunswick, it's probably everywhere, but in Brunswick, I talk to a lot of people and hear a lot of people talking and overhearing a lot of people talking, and there is a general, um, uh, and I don't find, okay, two disclaimers. This is not true to my knowledge of any of Polaris culture, and when I launch into this, um, this is not in reaction to anything. Um, like we're good. I'm, I don't want you to feel like I'm asking you for anything. We are well supported, well supplied, as Paul says, just through the collective generosity and consistency of, of Polaris. So this is not, yeah. Okay. I felt the need to get up for that. <clears throat> if you're listening online, I got up for emphasis from my stool. Uh, <laughs> um, I hear a lot of people talk about, well, my church, they're always asking for money. I hope that's not the case here. I don't, I've never heard that problem here. This is a, we rarely even talk about money at Polaris if you're newer to Polaris. So, um, but I know that there is a general mistrust um, of frustration, and I have been asked by many um, well-meaning friends um, something along the lines of this. So God talks about uh, the Bible talks about trusting God to provide. Why do churches ask for money if they're supposed to be trusting God to provide? And so this is, um, I know my grandma and grandpa wanted to become a member of a church. And as they explored membership, there was a meeting in their home where people showed up from the church from their home and told and with paperwork, and a part of becoming a member of their church was to sign over uh, your estate upon death to the church. Um, yeah. So Phil's coming over this afternoon to every one of your homes. <clears throat> I've drawn up some documents. No, uh, um, never. And you know, pr- private jets offerings for that. Uh, just like like you hear about this um, 
and, and I, I want you to know what the Bible says. I want you to have information about this. Because if you ever looked at Polaris and felt like, man, something's not right there. Or why do we really need that? I would want you to say, hey, Alex, man, I think that some things are getting out of line. Um, like, I welcome that. Um, so I, I have people ask, why do churches ask for money? Um, all kinds of headlines about corruption and stuff like that. And, I, and so I want you to be able to sort out the baby from the bathwater. Because there's some really bad stuff, and then there's some stuff that just kind of has to happen. So here we go. Um, <clears throat> some guys or girls, some pastors, church leadership just kind of loses their way. And they build things that don't need built, and they do things that don't need done, and there's embezzlement, and there's whatever, or there's just a desire for more, 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 and they hassle people for money because they've lost their way. And that's just a sad reality. Um, others, so there's this dynamic at work. Most congregations want a building of some kind, like they want something to call their own, to call home. Uh, at one time, uh, we were, how many of you here were in the rec center when we were in the rec center? All right, a, a decent portion of you. There were, I think there were only eight in the first service, which is interesting to me that, that it's evolved that much. Um, uh, but we used to meet in the rec center um, every week, and it was about eight, six to $800 um, a week for rent at the rec center. Maybe it was a month. I don't know. I was, I was like 22 at the time and wasn't allowed in any of those kinds of discussions. So um, that, was, that was the expense for that. I think it was $800 a month. But anyway, uh, and payroll, and that was that. But then uh, everybody kind of wanted a, a facility of our own, and the setup and teardown got old, and so we moved into the storefront, um, the, the plaza space. And then we went from the plaza space for, we got the keys to Polaris five years ago on Valentine's Day. Um, so we've actually been in here about four and a half years. Isn't that amazing that it's that, it's that like, yeah, well, you can clap. Um, that was like a great thing for us. And what I realized is it really like, I guess for lack of a better word, legitimized in people's eyes. Like, like oh, I'm so glad we finally have a church building. And I think the, the preschool has like tripled, I think, since since we've been in here, more than doubled. Um, so there's a sense of legitimacy to be in a building. Um, but with the building and the insurance and the groundskeeping and the snow removal and the maintenance and the utilities and payroll, and, and this, is, this is just for Polaris, and we don't like, like as far as payroll goes, we're probably, we're not over, we run pretty lean, um, I, I think if our payroll were to get leaked out, what people make at Polaris, there would be no scandal felt. Um, I'm pretty sure of that. And, um, but it costs $33,000 a month on average just to keep the ship afloat. Uh, $33,000, that's about $8,000 a week. Um, and that's us. Like, that's just our collective generosity doing that. And you guys are amazing and, and consistent and all that. Very grateful for that. 
Um, and as Paul says, that's your offering to God. I mean, it's our gift to God. Um, uh, but imagine, though, if, if we got to the point of struggling. Um, it could be that a pastor is at a church that just ain't making that. Like they owe and they, like 40, 50, 60, depending on the size of the building in that, a month. And, and it ain't coming in. And, and so there's like, a, you know, the, 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 we need more money. We need more money because, because they need more money. So, so some of the, the angst and the frustration and the, that's all that church does is talk about money. Again, I, I try to never create that environment unless we needed it and we haven't yet. Um, it might be totally legit. They just need more money. And, and it just costs a lot to operate the facility that the people have agreed that they want. So uh, that certainly could be one thing. And also, like on, on my, just so you can empathize with the plight of maybe a pastor or leadership, like I am in a unique situation in that um, because I, have, I married a career woman, my sugar mama, don't tell her I said that. She's back in the children's. Um, I like, like, if, if Polaris collapsed tomorrow, I would be devastated because it's like, you know, I mean, this is us. Um, but my life doesn't change all that much. My kids are fed. My house is paid. The mortgage is paid. So that I don't have that pressure of, like, a personal. But for a lot of guys, they're at churches where it's like, if they don't make it, their kids aren't eating. And so you can see that pressure that, like, we need money, we need money, we need money, because they can't sleep at night because it's like they just need more money coming in. So I guess I just want you to be aware that when churches ask for money, um, it may be because it just costs a lot to run this thing. Uh, or... It may be that they're doing things that don't need to be done. And just kind of, I mean, be aware. And at Polaris, be aware because if there's ever something, I mean, Mark's up front here. He's our, our head elder. Um, talk to me. Talk to Mark. What if, you, if something doesn't seem right, find an explanation. Um, like, never let us lose our way. Uh, and at the same time, would love to, you know, if you have any questions or anything like that, I, I want there to be trust, and I think there is. Um, but I just felt like this morning, man, this is a good opportunity for me to address that so that just kind of create some up the awareness of, of, of that in, in the culture of, of the church world. Okay. Back to Philippians 4. Um, notice the... There's a, there's a component where Paul says it's a fragrant offering. It's a fragrant offering to God. Uh, some, and, and the idea of that pulls from the Old Testament. When you would offer something at the altar, particularly a burn offering, they would say that the smoke was like God would smell that and be pleased. It was like a kind of a, I don't know if the personification is the right word of the offering. I guess that wouldn't be. But anyway, um, what would that be? A metaphor? An idiom? I don't know. Um, my fourth grader could probably tell you, but I can't. So the idea, though, was that like what you gave financially to support ministry or, or toward God's causes, that, that God received that like a gift to him. So when we are generous 
toward things that God cares about, whatever he lays on your heart, when we live a generous life, that becomes an offering directly to God. That's one thing that we get from that. But we also, there's a, and I think this is more than anything, like this is what fascinates me. There's a precipitation, part, no, participation. There's a participation in, in, uh, in the, the collective ministry. There, there's a sharing. So there's this amazing, and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, let's go back to the metaphor or the analogy of me um, in China in prison. Now, you guys sent me to China and I'm in prison. And I write a letter to you saying, but you know what? Uh, I've started a Bible study here in this Chinese prison. And there are members of, of the, the Chinese guard. <clears throat> Even some from the emperor's own personal security force. That... Um, are a part of this Bible study, and, and we baptized them last week, and now they're following Jesus. And you guys sent me here financially, and, and, and this is your work. Like you would feel, and, and I would, and, and at the end of this letter, I wrote the Christians in China, especially the Roman guard, send you their greetings. Like, can you imagine the impact that would have? My handwritten letter that now there are Christians in the Chinese guard because of what you did. Well, Paul, if you read Philippians this week, that's how he ends his letter. He says, the Christians from Caesar's household greet you. And what he's saying there is, we're in this together. And because of your generosity, there are now followers of Jesus. Even in Caesar's household, the belly of the beast. So there's this participation. Now, this all uh, brings the question of how can we know what to give toward? I'm going to read this real quick to you and then come on up, Michelle. I want to I talk to Michelle a little bit. Um, 2 Corinthians 9 says this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously or bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, Paul says, <coughs> um, Paul says, you should never do anything out of compulsion or manipulation. So if you ever felt manipulated into giving, just shut it down because that's not God speaking to you. God doesn't manipulate. God doesn't want you to be manipulated. It's not God honoring to manipulate somebody into giving. Um, and you shouldn't give out of a sense of, I have to do it, uh, here's my... But he talks about deciding in your heart. And the concept is this, and we say it at the time, we talk about causes and praying about your cause. I know that God wants you to be generous. I know it. He does. You haven't lived until you've lived a generous lifestyle. You will see God 
more at work in your life through generosity than anywhere else. I promise you that. I have no idea what he called you to give toward. No idea. But the idea is deciding in your heart, you talking to Jesus, spending time with Jesus, deciding how much and toward what. Now, I've invited Michelle up because she is someone who I've watched over the past few years. Um, more and more and more God calls you toward causes. And so, uh, and you have a pretty big heart. And then uh, you've had to decide, man, what do you give toward? Because you can't, you know, you give a dollar to everything. Nobody wins, right? Um, you can't give a lot to everything because there's a limited amount, even if you're Michelle Fetty. And um, so it's about deciding, what do I give toward? How, how, how do I know what God wants? So first of all, talk about how you have been changed as you have taken on more causes more significantly in your life over the past few years. So <clears throat> myself personally, my persona has changed because... Um, as, as I grow in God, I seem to become more calm. Um, I don't take myself so seriously. I'm not so worried about the things that I participate in or that I do. Um, I feel as though I'm just a part of his plan. So nothing is laying on my shoulders. It's, it's I'm just falling through with what God has asked me to do or laid on my heart or called me to do. Um, and so I know it's all going to work out okay, and it has made me much less worrisome. Although that doesn't mean I sit by idly. Um, if God lays something on my heart, I do it, I'm productive, but it's without concern. So I'm sketching you as we talk. Are you? No, is it um, I hope it... <laughs> I, um, I'm, writing, I'm writing follow-ups for next week. Um, so... And... I'll, I'll let yeah, you stall for, for me a second. Yeah, I will, I will. Um, and along with um, being less worrisome and maybe more productive, I, I have to say that, you know, Alex had suggested to me that I have done some big things. I don't know how big they are, but in accomplishing those things, I was telling him earlier, I, I found that I need to work on the little things as well. Um, I have to spend more time in the Word. I am surrounded by a fantastic group of women who... Uh, support me all the time, help me to grow, help me to learn, and hold me accountable. And when I share things like I, crazy ideas I have or something that God laid on my heart, they are a 100% support system for me in that, um, in so many ways. So that's a Polaris thing, though. That's a great group of women that are, uh, that, whose Bible study I'm in. And so that is, that helps me grow so that I can do maybe bigger things. I don't know. Do some pretty big things. Um, and, and so, basically, we ca I came here this morning literally with, with three sheets plus an interview. And I just realized, I'm going to take more time to do this. So, Michelle didn't realize this morning that she'd be back up next week. But I want to <laughs> talk more specifically about some of the stuff. Because there's a lot to mine from the generous lifestyle and what it produces in your life. And I, and I mean that. Um, how do you specifically decide on causes and there's way more that I want you to talk about next week about how specifically you've been changed okay. like what have you seen what has God done that is like oh now I can live like this but we'll talk about that next week how do you as practically as you can tell us how do you decide what are causes that you need to support 
Um, and, and I don't really usually ever choose a cause. I feel like God lays something on my heart and I pray about it and follow through with it however I can. And, and sometimes I seek advice, things like that, but I never go, hey, today I want to do this. Um, about eight years ago, I, Alex kind of, as I said earlier, he threw me a stone. It was about this big back at the theater when we were in that building. And he brought up a conversation about a mission trip that River Tree uh, was about to go on. And gee, was there anybody here that, that might interest, you know, get, get with me for information? And it felt like he threw me a rock because, it, but it was caught easily because it was something that I think was, God was just laying on my heart in that fashion. And that was the beginning for me to kind of have a global outreach mindset. And so ever since then, I just try to listen and pay attention for the things that God lays on my heart, and then I try to follow through on them if I, if I feel that that's really what's happening. So I really don't ever seek out anything. I watch for what God's telling me or throwing my way or big stones. Okay, so what you're saying is, number one, you're aware. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And number two... Um, you are like God just sort of, you just know it's God saying, like, what does that look like? You know, I, I, I've heard him in my head. There was a big decision I had to make a few years ago about some children in my own life. Um, I've heard him. He's spoken to me. But, but mostly it's just a matter of, and, and it's nice finally to have a word to put with it, which is a Kiros moment. And it's a matter of just being aware and listening and being receptive and willing to receive and ready to receive um, the things that are given to you around you. And then running with them in prayer and advice and seeking and, yeah. So that's something I want to talk about a little bit next week is, um, I guess I'm things. done writing stuff down. I guess you are. Um, <laughs> reactive generosity, like just sort of being aware of what God is doing around you in addition to causes, just a reactionary, like, mm -hmm. um, so I want to talk about that because mm -hmm. you can also, that can get you into some trouble, like sometimes helping hurts, but that's a whole other Great book. kind of thing. Um, it is a good book. Uh, so talk to us about your next cause, what's next, something that you could, if God lays it in your heart, be a part of. Um, we're past time, so just be quick. Do your thing. Well, not necessarily. Just do your thing, and okay. we'll close. Um, so, being mindful of a global outreach, um, sometimes we're limited in things we can participate in because some people can't go here or go there. Or they have, you know, home restrictions, family. They're afraid of bugs. Whatever it is, you can't leave the country for whatever reason. So, as I was looking for something to do, I was praying to God, and I said, "What are, what are we doing this year, God? I, you know, and I'm not hearing anything, and I'm not getting any answers." And um, so I said, "Well, maybe He's not talking to me, but I'm just going to idly, within my humanness, look for something to do." And so I was looking for trips, etc. And I came across um, a 6K run for water. And I read up on this, and I was like, "Well, this isn't." this isn't for me, I'm, I want to go. And so I kept getting drawn back to it, and finally it occurred to me, this is for me, it's for us if we're interested in a global outreach, because even though we won't be going anywhere, we're going to be able to reach out uh, with this 6K run and be able to provide well drilling for waters for communities that cannot get clean water in different areas of the world. So it's an opportunity for anyone who wants to participate in a global outreach to have a way to do so and not leave home. Um, so it's a 6K run, which is nearly four miles, and that number is 
is well noted because that's how far so many of these folks have to walk to get clean water every day for drinking, for cooking, for cleaning, et cetera. And um, so what we're gonna be doing is having a 6K run, walk, push a stroller, roll your wheelchair, whatever it is that you wanna do. Um, it's a fun run, it's not timed. It's gonna be on May 12th at the Hinkley Sledding Hill. It's on State Road if nobody knows where that's at. And um, you will re-see, I have some of these out there so you can get some more information and know how to sign up easier. Um, if you choose to sign up, of course there's a, a contribution that's, that's asked for, and um, you'll receive a shirt similar to this, only they'll be orange. You'll have a banner to pin to your shirt to show you the children that you might be running from. I did it, you again. did it again. From for the, the children and community that you might be running for. Um, and then, of course, upon completion, you'll get yourself a little lanyard with a little medal that says that I ran a 6K run. It is untimed. Um, and so I've taken the time to organize everything. We'll be there waiting on anybody that wants to participate. The thing I would ask from any of you that decide to sign up would be to bring some fun with you. I can organize. I can make things happen sometimes. But I need help with ballerina skirts on runners and squirt guns and things like that. And we'll be having some water there and snacks and things like that. But we just ask, you know, if, if, if it's something that God lays on your heart, that you join at least myself there on May 12th. 8 a.m. My father-in-law has one of those, like, it's a scooter, but it's on a cool, like, it's a cooler, modified to be a scooter, and I think that's what I'll do, is I'll uh, ride, this, I'll ride the cooler that's scooter right. around, and, and, yeah. There you go. It yeah. sounds like fun. Yeah. So, um, so that's my next big, great thing. May 12th. May 12th, 8 a.m., okay. Sledding Hill and Hinkley, and you know, depending on how that turns out. And, and everything's provided. I mean, we have people there. If you fall down and skin your knee, we'll have somebody there that'll patch it up, and we'll have water and all those things. So, yep. Okay. Well, um, you'll hear more about that. There's stuff in the lobby, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'll try to put a link on the app and on the website where you can sign up, like, from that. They'll direct you to that. Yeah. Or you can we'll always give that. me a yell if yeah. you're stuck or whatever. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll hear more from you next week. Oh, boy. Thank you, Michelle. That's my favorite. Um, real quick, let me wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> I know that there is just a, for a lot of people, because there's a lot of hurt around this, uh, some general animosity, um, anxiety toward the, the idea of giving and generosity and causes and that, and I get it, and and I'm, I'm not, as we talk about this next week, I'm, I'm not going to ask you for a thing. And I mean that. I, that's between you and God, and we're good, and, and all that. Um, and, and I mean that, but I do want you to know that, uh, and, and this is like, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Um, you know, swear on a stack of Bibles. Whatever, okay? Um, when I talk to people who are growing like, like, there are sometimes people just have explosive growth in their walk with God. Um, and I ask them, what, what, what have you, what's the difference? What have you been doing? Why are you where you are today? They will almost assuredly, it comes back to two things. I will hear, I've made reading the Bible a regular part of my life. And the second thing is, uh, generosity. I have been more generous, more sacrificial in my generosity, have trusted God more with my generosity, have given more, 
to things that God cares about. And, and, and I mean that. I just, as a, I, I want you to know that if you have not yet stepped into a sacrificial, generous lifestyle, uh, you, you are missing out. And again, I don't need to see any of that. I, I just, I'm telling you that, that it's there. It's there when you want to be a part of it. And, and so uh, I, I don't want to withhold that because of the anxiety and mistrust around that. So that's, what, that's the spirit of, of all this. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I'm done. Um, you're, I'm going to pray and then you're dismissed. We'll do one last song. Uh, you can go right after this prayer if you want. If you want to hang around for one more song. Uh, Marcus and the band are up here. And, uh, and we'll, uh, Jacqueline, are you able to, Jacqueline will be up here to pray if you want to pray about anything. And if you have any questions at all about the Polaris financial side of thing, talk to me, talk to Mark, one of the elders, whatever. We want nothing but openness and honesty around that. All right, let's stand. <coughs> Father, thank you for all the good things that you give to us. Um, and there are a lot of great causes out there. I want to pray that you would teach us to walk in obedience, to have that kind of relationship with you where we hear and respond in trust and, um, and, and trust you uh, to supply as we become more and more faithful. Uh, thank you uh, for the collective generosity of this family. Thank you for how far your provision uh, has brought us as a church uh, a long way in a short time. So just, just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.